Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, by the time you hear this podcast, the Tampa Bay Times may have won a 15th Pulitzer. <laughs> I'm not sure, but congratulations are in order for our 14th Pulitzer at the Tampa Bay Times. And we can say that because... This is their podcast as well. Uh, um, our, our reporters, Corey G. Johnson, Rebecca Woolington, and Eli Murray, won for uh, a series they did, uh, and it was called Poisoned. And they spent a year, I mean, this is really uh, quite a series about a uh, uh, the only lead smelter run by Gopher Resource that endangered employees in, in the community. So congratulations to them. I, I'm always, you know, it's one of the reasons I got into journalism and, and joined a, a really an outstanding uh, news organization like the Tampa Bay Times. And so this is a very prideful moment for us. And I just wanted to uh, start by congratulating them. So uh, we're going to talk about. But here's the thing. I mean, yep. 14 Pulitzers is amazing. Yeah. But Andre Vasilevsky's won 15 in a row after losing in the playoffs. <laughs> I mean. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's that. Hey, it's who, actually but, seventeen in a row, but I don't count the first two because round robin games were involved, and that just doesn't that's not that's not playoff games. But Pulitzers wins after losses <laughs> in the playoffs, similar, similar. I would say Stanley Cups. You know they've won they've won two in a row, so that's good. And and you know the Times has won two Pulitzers in a row. So yeah. no, it's a, it's a fantastic back to back job to back. By, by the writers in the Tampa Bay Times. And, yeah, and they deserve it. Take a bow. Take a bow and, and uh, enjoy the champagne you got um, for the toast or whatever whatever went on there. I missed it. I always miss these these celebrations because I'm never around. I'm always you know remote as it, as the case may be. And um, but I think Tom Jones was there. Maybe you can ask him about it. So yeah, cool thing. But uh, we're back to work. And you know who else is back to work? Tom Brady. Tom Brady's back to work. He's throwing footballs. He was on the Twitter machine and he. Um, Tweeted out a couple pictures of himself, indeed, in a box helmet. Now, this might be a surprise because of all the news about the Miami Dolphins, Stephen Ross. Of course, you know, Tom spent the weekend down there at the Formula One race, the Miami Grand Prix, that uh, ran uh, in and around and outside of Hard Rock Stadium there with Dolphins play. And yet, here he is. And I, I'm not sure, again, it's, it's Florida. There's palm trees. There's palm trees in other states, too. Uh, don't know if this is a country club, has a house, kind of a crow's nest, or what would appear to be well manicured. He's on real grass, uh, and I don't think he's throwing with uh, necessarily teammates, but he's out there, man. He's throwing the football. Well, what, wait, what are, wait, are we sure he hasn't learned from Rob Gronkowski and actually took that photo last year and is just putting it out now? Yeah, you know what? You might be onto something. He's just telling, telling the world, telling coaches that have him back at it when in fact. Maybe he's not. And if Maybe you don't just... remember, Rob Gronkowski during COVID, coaches mm-hmm. wanted them to send videos of them working out every day. So Rob just changed shirts four times. <laughs> and the video all the same day of him working out, but it was different <laughs> shirts each time. So that was a week's worth of workouts. Yeah. And people wonder why he hasn't signed yet. <laughs> I mean, really? 
I mean, isn't that kind of a tip-off? Like, yeah, I didn't want to do the workouts. Well, yeah, so maybe you don't want to be part of the OTAs or the mandatory minicamp, right? And it's not that, like, Gronk's going to show up, you know, obese, obesely overweight or something like that and, and just not be able to move. He's he's lifting weights, you know, uh, every day. I think, you know, he's going to do that probably for the rest of his life. But uh, no rush to, uh, you know, to try to acquiesce or, or you know, confirm to off-season workouts and OTAs and, you know, um, sort of the mandatory minicamp that's coming up uh, at the beginning of June. So we'll see if uh, if he does that. But, yeah. Um, so I don't know, to answer your question, do we know when this photo was taken? We don't, uh, any time in the last three years, perhaps, but, uh, it appears somebody asked me though, and maybe it was you or somebody else said, well, when did Tom Brady stop working? Like when was the last time Tom just said, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. Well, he did say he was done. He said he was done, you know, about 40 days before he came back. Um, but it was February 1st as a matter of fact, but you know, when he is playing or he plans on playing, has he ever really taken that many? I wonder what, like, what's the longest you think he's gone without a good old TB12 workout, you know, or without some, some rubber, some rubber bands, right? Some plyometrics going. No, that That's every day. I don't think, that, I don't, <laughs> the plyometrics, I don't think that he ever doesn't. stops. But the, uh, he probably stretches those hamstrings before he gets out of bed. You know, he probably has these exercises like when he's still down, but, uh, um, but there he is. He's throwing a football. Of course, he was uh, throwing a football recently when he was in Hollywood or wherever they were filming the movie 80 for Brady, right, with Lily Tomlin and Sally Field and Rita Moreno and all of them. Um, so, you know, it's not like his arm wasn't wasn't getting some work because he was, you know, doing whatever B-roll they needed uh, to fill out the movie about his greatest comeback in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl history against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, which is what that movie is sort of based on. So he's he's done some throwing. And now I guess the next step will be, and this looks like, I, I, I can't confirm this, it appears to be Miami. That's where he was over the weekend. So he can get on a plane and be anywhere in, in a few minutes. But looks like maybe that's what he's doing. I don't necessarily see teammates. It's not like it's a, um, it's not like it's a, it's a workout per se. You know, see some water bottles. Maybe it's Julian one. Edelman he's throwing to. I mean, who knows? well, somebody asked me that. They said, "Can you can you zoom in and see if it's Edelman?" And it might well be, for all we know. But I, I don't, I don't sense that Jules is going to come back and play. But we'll see. I mean, anything's possible with Tom Brady. So yeah, I mean, the guy he's had he's had you must admit a very busy off season with a lot of things going on. We mentioned the movie um, at the at the uh, Miami Grand Prix. Unbelievable pictures, by the way, of of him. There was one of him, Michael Jordan, okay, who he greeted, and mm-hmm. and that was on video actually of him greeting him. Also, David Beckham, and who's Hamilton? The Lewis um, Hamilton, yeah, Lewis Hamilton, the Formula yeah. One driver. So a few championships. I think Hamilton and Brady each have seven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan's got six. Jordan's got six, and I don't know how you measure Beckham, but he's got a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that. That's kind of a Mount Rushmore, right? Could we have gotten Wayne Gretzky to drop by or something like that? I mean, you know, by the way, did you, see, did you see that secretariat's reporter? gone, so you can't get him. Did you see the reporter at uh, the Grand Prix? There's a reporter interviewing a, a player he thinks is Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I did see and it was that. Paolo Benchero from Duke. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. Oh, sorry. I wonder how often that happens. That probably happens a lot, not to him necessarily, but maybe just in general. People come up to guys and think they're interviewing guys. Um. Yeah. So, 
So start your and, and I think this happened on Pro Football Talk with my friend Mike Florio, but you know, start start your conspiracy. Oh, so he was down there with Stephen Ross and you know, that was at outside the hard rock, was it? And isn't that the place he wanted to go as a part owner or something like that? So yeah, all that is uh, well. Look, Tom. Tom's of, social media savvy enough. He knows he's in Miami. All the stories. So the next day, he puts out a helmet of him throwing in a bucks. Yeah, helmet. there you go. He's very smart about this. His. Let me say that his social media game is very. I'm not sure there's an athlete right now. Certainly not LeBron, but one of his ilk. There's probably not a guy anywhere close to his stature who has a better social media game right now than Tom Brady. Tom Brady's on fire. It's so targeted I mean, and precise. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. The other day when he came out with the whole, you know, Justin responding to Justin Bieber um on TikTok and 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 you know tell us something that, you know, nobody knows or whatever however the phrase was and he goes, you know, yeah, the Tucker World game might have been a fumble. Like he just that's just trolling the Raiders, right? Like that that's the ultimate troll job, but he's so savvy at it and so good. Those his team is is phenomenal. And uh, and of course, you know, he promotes all his, you know, all his businesses and things like that. So um, he did. He did also release that photo of himself and Lewis Hamilton and David Bunk Beckham and uh, Michael Jordan. Who uh, my wife said to me, she goes, you know, Michael Jordan's huge. Like like Tom still. I said, well, Michael's a little older and he's not playing, you know, and Tom's still keeping himself in relatively great shape. So, um, but Jordan, but Jordan was a big dude when he played. Jordan was very slight. Like the first time I saw him, he came walking. Uh, well, actually, he was in the Bucks locker room. This is back when Sapp and those guys were playing. So Jordan was still kind of in the prime of his career a little bit. And uh, somehow Sapp knew Jordan. He was at a game. It was a fairly big Monday night game or something like that. And it's the first time I saw him, he came walking in. And I thought, wow, he, two things. One, he's really tall, which you would expect an NBA player. What was he, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, something like that? 6'6", six, six, and, yeah. and just really thin, like just right in, in, a, in a muscular way, but like very thin. Um, sort of the way Brady is now, but um, but yeah, Mike. I mean, give him give him a break, man. The guy's like over fifty, but Michael's um, put on a few pounds, but they look good, man. There they are. They they're just the four goats. All those championships, a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of money between these guys. Who picks up the dinner tab? That's what I want to know. It's got to well, be if it's Michael. Jordan, right? you're, if it's Jordan, you're pay- you're playing for it. <laughs> well, that's true. You're, you're betting something for it. <laughs> He's yeah. gonna gamble it. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to bet you you can't pick up the dinner tab, and then there's going to be something going on. But, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, Lewis Hamilton. I mean, these these guys are all – a lot of them have this relationship, obviously, Brady does with Hamilton. But, yeah, so, you know, this whole thing about, you know, Brady's relationship with the Dolphins co-owner Bruce Beal, um, then all the reports that Brady wanted to become part owner or maybe even play for Sean Payton, who was going to coach the Dolphins. The Dolphins did acknowledge they asked the Saints – for permission to interview him, and the Saints said no. Then Peyton resigned uh, or stepped down back in January, and then, you know, Brian Flores dropped the bomb, the lawsuit on the NFL the same day. Brady retired, and then the speculation is that, well, that kind of changed a lot of things for a lot of people. But, um, you know, he did, he's not straight too far from Miami, that's for sure, and that's where I think one of his forever houses is, is obviously being built or is built. And maybe that's him outside of it. I don't really know, but... Um, but he's throwing. And at some point, um, you know, and this is the thing, like we asked Jason Light a couple of weeks ago about Brady and just, you know, with the new head coach and Todd Bowles and what they've, what they've done together and, and when, when we will see Brady. And we don't know. Uh, and all, 
All Light says, well, him and him and Todd have had constant communication with that. It's voluntary right now. I got news for you. It's voluntary until June 7th. Um, he says, obviously, he knows how to take care of himself during a voluntary uh, portion. I know that he and Todd have had several conversations about that. No worries whatsoever. Heck no. Um, seven-time Super Bowl champion. That's the one player in your year. roster you don't need to worry about. No, because he stays in shape year-round. I mean, that's you know that's how he has managed to play this long is that you don't get out of shape to have to get back into shape. And his, he throws – he's one of these guys, he's kind of old school. Um, you know, back in the day, you know, back in my day, actually back in my dad's day, I should say, um, we're watching baseball, and as we're doing this podcast, the Rays are playing the Angels. But, you know, now it's it's almost rare to see a starting pitcher go more than, you know, what, five innings, sometimes six, and if they get in the seventh, you're like, hoorah. Um, that almost never happens. Um, but guys would, would uh, obviously go deeper in games and throw a lot more pitches and didn't seem to – at least we didn't think they did. They didn't seem to have the arm troubles they do now with Tommy John and all of that. Um, but the way they got in shape – and the way they were, the reason they were able to go so deep is that instead of managing how many how many pitches they throw or um, you know sort of how many innings or up downs they need before they're ready to go, uh, they got in shape by throwing. They threw a lot, you know, and so therefore, if they got out there, they were, they were, you know, they had they had done that, built themselves up with just the act of throwing a baseball, and. Nowadays, you know, you're like, well, you know, we're not going to let a guy, you know, throw that much, but that they would throw themselves back into shape. Brady's kind of that way too. Like, I think he's gotten smarter during the regular season because during the regular season, he's also taking hits on various parts of his body, including his shoulder and elbow and wrist and all that. But for the most part, Tom Brady wants to throw all the time. Like, he loves throwing the football, and that, as much as anything, and along with Alex Guerrero and the plyometrics and all that stuff. But really, throwing is what he likes to do. And his thing is, look, I'm I'm not going to get better bench pressing, right? And I don't know, maybe he does bench press. I don't really know. But he's not going to get better doing exercises that don't relate directly to what he does. And what does he do? He sits back there and throws the football. You know, he, he doesn't have to be that fleet of foot. Um, he's obviously got to keep, you know, keep limber and, and, you know, avoid what usually happens with the aging process. But to the point that like he gets ready by not getting out of shape. He throws as much or more than anybody in the off season. Now, when the regular season starts, I do know this Tom Brady does not underline does not want to lead the NFL in pass attempts again. Um, he only did it once. And that's with the box. I think he had like seven over 700, 719, something like that. A ridiculous amount of pass attempts. And, and that is not uh, something a 45 year old quarterback quarterback wants to do not just for his arm but just for the exposure of the hits and things like that so I think that's going to change under Todd Bowles I don't think you'll see another 5,000 yard season I think that'll change under Todd Bowles and and the trade-off will be you know sort of more rest for the defense playing more of a complimentary game you know uh, doing things to help the whole team rather than just seeing you know how many um, how many yards and, and deep balls you can throw so That'll be the difference. But he likes to throw a lot, and that's what he's doing. And I don't think he stopped, to your point. Like, maybe he spent a couple weeks right after the season, after he announced his retirement, that, you know, he kind of wanted to get away from it for a little bit and rest his arm. But I know, if I know Brady, I know he's throwing. And I think you'll see him pop up here 
Last year, you know, he was adamant about veterans not going into OTAs and things like that. And they started out, um, they were throwing at uh, the Yankees spring training complex or minor league complex um, there off of uh, Himes and whatnot. And they were like, well, look, you know, that's when Bruce Arians goes, it's kind of weird that you're just down the street. If you want to throw, you don't have to be part of the OTAs, but once you just come in here, we've got locker rooms and, you know, um, you know, weight rooms and, and different things that you can, you can access lunch rooms, uh, all of that equipment. And, and so it, you know, Brady was kind of, kind of standoffish at first, but then he did it. He took him up on it. And, uh, around, around this time, about the middle of May, um, they started working out early in the morning. And even though OTAs were going on at that time, um, his guys, which were mostly the frontline players, the veteran players that play, um, guys like Mike Evans and Gronk and others, uh, they were coming out at uh, 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning at one buck and actually, you know, putting in their work and then they would they would go off the field and then, you know, you have the OTAs would start probably around 10.30, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So uh, Brady likes to get his work done early. Um, he likes it when it's as cool as possible. <laughs> that helps. Uh, but mostly so he can have the rest of his day, you know, to be with his family, do whatever he wants. And, um, and, and the other players join them and they've always had good attendance. So I think we will see Brady in Tampa throwing. I don't know what promises he's made to bowls. I, I don't think he's going to be in any OTAs, but, um, we will probably see him throwing to some guys in and around town coming up here in the next, uh, next few days or so. You might see him at the OTAs. I mean, I don't think he'll work out, but I mean, if you want to put the final shiv, he could into Bruce show Arians, up. Yeah. Yeah. He could show up. No, if you want he to put the final could. shiv into Bruce Arians, you know. You show up for tall uh, balls and not yeah. Bruce. Oh, I see. What you, I see what you mean. You ordered the code red, <laughs> and so you go. Yeah. Well, he came to he came to Bruce's funeral, um, and that was kind of that was kind of sinister of him. You know, it, truly, he had to be a bit of a sociopath to 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 get Arians out of here and then show up on his farewell press conference. Um, but then you could also say, well, really, it wasn't a farewell press conference for Arians. It was an introductory press conference for Bulls. So maybe he was supporting Todd while at the same time. Yeah, shiving, shiving Bruce Arians, but I think that whole thing's overrated. I don't think he ordered the code red. You're not going to have a Colonel uh, Nathan, Nathan Jessup moment with Tom Brady and us at any point this year. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't look look forward to that. But I do think that there are things about Todd Bowles that we talked about in the past that he's going to really enjoy, and I do think those two guys see the game um, more closely than than maybe Arians and him did only in that um, for as much as, you know, Todd Bowles has been part of Bruce Arians legacy going back to when he was a player for him. He's really been influenced as a coach uh, by the Bill Parcells tree. And that's where Belichick is from. And, you know, he spent those years um, in Dallas learning the three, four from Parcells. And then Parcells brought him to Miami when Tom Sperano was there. And, and I think Tom sort of recognizes that hands-on approach Defensive coach, still going to call the defense, but now going to be involved with the offense and the quarterback as well. Very hands-on versus Arians, who was sort of a CEO coach and, you know, in the golf cart at that point and all that. So I think Tom's working day-to-day relationship with, with Bowles will probably be uh, more more along the lines of what he was used to in New England, although God knows nobody's Bill Belichick and maybe for a good thing. But, um, but yeah, the discipline, a lot of the – Attention to detail, all that stuff will probably probably come back in, in um 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So a bit of a big game, game five. I'm told those are important in seven-game series, especially when they're tied 2-2. This one's on the road tonight against Toronto. And can somebody win two in a row in this series? It's got to happen at some point, doesn't it? Or does it? Or if it doesn't, the Lightning's going to lose in seven. Well, I that's guess. true. I mean, you know, as <laughs> it, great as Andre Vasilevsky's streak of not losing back-to-back games is, because the Lightning lost game one, they're going to have to win two in a row at some point to win this series. Right. That's correct. Now, why not start now? So, I've always said that, and it's, it's been proven in this series, like momentum, unlike baseball, which your momentum is as good as your starting pitcher, there, there doesn't seem to be a carryover at least in this series and maybe at all in the playoffs, between you know one game to the next. Um, we've seen the Lightning play bad and then come back and win, then play bad again, come back and win. Um, and you know, I suppose Toronto's kind of saying the same thing in reverse. So what's, what is it about them going back now to Toronto, and this is just for one game, and if they win it, they're going to be playing at Emily to close out the series, um, and home ice will no longer belong to Toronto. So what is it about how they've played any different, you know, this time around than when they picked it up in game two and then turned around and lost immediately in game three? Well, you know, much like game two, Toronto came out in game one and played about as well as you could play. They played a great game in game one. Mm -hmm. You knew the Lightning were going to have a response in game two. And as Toronto, you have to match that, and they didn't. The Lightning played about as well as you're going to play in game four. That was a f- complete effort. And if you just, if you heard Cooper's post game, he was short, succinct, wasn't going to, you know, trying to downplay it as just one game, but he knew his team played a whale of a game. And so now you've got to try to come out and play that game, but knowing Toronto's going to have a response because they did not play very well. Absolutely. As, you know, with eight power plays they gave up and the bad penalties and, you know, it, this. This is a punch-counter-punch series. These are two highly skilled teams. There's not much hitting in this series. This is pure skill, speed, um, you know, great athletes on the ice playing. And so, you know, avoiding those costly mistakes, avoiding the turnovers, particularly the power plays, which, you know, as we've said, five on five, this this series has pretty much been dominated by the Lightning. Mm-hmm. Toronto's had some five-on-five goals, but if you look at the, the run of play and the, the possession in that, and that's despite the fact the Lightning are, are not doing well on the face-offs overall in this series. But the power plays and penalty kills are interrupt the flow of the game, particularly your penalty kill for your team. And, and that's what, you know, the Lightning need to avoid that going back up there. You, you know, you played a good game in game four, avoid those costly mistakes, avoid the the after the whistle penalties and the too many men on the ice and the uh, you, you know the the lazy penalties where you're not moving your feet and so now you've got to slash somebody because you didn't move your feet enough we saw Toronto take a few of those in game 4 so the lightning played their best game of the series in game 4 so you know Toronto's going to come out 
playing differently than they did. And this is going to be on home ice. They're going to have the crowd behind them. And, and look, whoever wins game five takes really good control of this series. Now you just got to win one of the next two. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. This, this this game is going to be it's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, well, if Toronto wins, I mean, you know, they're guaranteed at least a game seven in their mm-hmm. own building, and yes. and could close it out, you know, in Tampa, where there'll be a lot of a lot of pressure. Um, you know, the Lightning have done this in kind of a reverse order before. I remember years ago uh, when they had a chance to win a game six against the Rangers at home, they lost mm-hmm. and could have closed out the series. And then you're thinking, oh God, they're going to New York's Madison Square Garden. They're going to lose the series in seven. And then they didn't. And Ben Bishop was terrific. And I think they won one to nothing up there, if memory serves. But it was, uh, you know, they kind of did it in, in reverse. But yeah, you definitely, I mean, you know, whoever wins game five in a seven game series, if it's tied 2 2, obviously has a couple shots at it. And that's the position you want to be in. I keep waiting. And it's been funny because you, you mentioned this before. I will give you total and full credit here uh, that you said before the playoffs started. I'm not sure about any of these other teams' goaltending situations. In other words, yeah, there are some guys that have had good years. Um, there are some guys that uh, you know have some playoff experience, whatever. But but some of these guys haven't done it in the postseason, and some of these teams may go back and forth with different goaltenders. And I'm watching, and this is a case in point. I'm watching uh, Pittsburgh against the you know against New York, and um, and the Rangers, and you know, Igor Shosturkin is 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 the best goaltender this year. He's going to win the Vesna, um, you know, U.S. goals against all of that. Just a tremendous season. You know what? He got in the playoffs, and he's had two nightmarish games. And you know, Pittsburgh shook him again. And and I'm not saying all these goals were on him. There were some tips. There were some things that were going on. They didn't play great around him. But all of a sudden, um. You have that situation. Louis Domingue had to step in for Pittsburgh because their goaltender got hurt. He's been playing pretty no, he's well. He's their third goaltender. Their top two goaltenders. His top are hurt. two goaltenders are out. Yeah, right. So Louis Domingue, Tampa Bay's own, right back in mm-hmm. the day, um, he's playing pretty good. And every time he makes anything close to a save, everybody's like, ooh. Uh, and and then there's other situations throughout the postseason. And, and I keep thinking the stability they have with Vasilevsky and 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 the the experience that he has as things get tighter in series, right? Uh, what's it, like five shutouts in, in um, game or deciding games mm-hmm. in, in the series? I think he said five consecutive or five shutouts, maybe not consecutive, but five shutouts. Yeah, no, the last five closeout games have been shutouts. It, it, it is a remarkable statistic. It, it, you really stop and think about what you need from your best players when you have a chance to close out a series, and your goaltender stones every team um, five times. I keep waiting, and I don't know if this is the not. Keep waiting for them to go out there and and whatever they throw at Vasilevsky, he's going to turn away, and he's you know he's going to mm-hmm. steal a game. I still haven't seen him in this series yet. Just go, you know what? They might have gotten outplayed, outshot, a better scoring chances. That dude right there just took this game. Mm-hmm. He stole it from him, and if he does, I think it's coming. It better come in the next couple of games, but I I, I think that could be. Um, you know, sort of what happens. I think Toronto's going to feel a little pressure, a lot of pressure, actually, um, with their playoff history and, and blowing 3-1 leads and not advancing beyond the first round. They're in their own building. There's a definite nervousness and expectation that they will win, have to win. Um, that could be a, 
an advantage for the Lightning tonight. The I Lightning think. have a huge advantage. And and one of the things, the pressure of the playoffs in any sport, it doesn't, it doesn't just be hockey, but the pressure is you don't want to make a mistake. But as an athlete, you can't play with a fear of making a mistake. But that's what naturally happens, especially as you get later in series or later in a football contest that's close, you know, is that some athletes can fight through that and, and not worry about the mistake. Others, that's where the moment kind of gets the best. I don't want to fumble the ball. I don't want to turn this puck over. That's right. I don't want to let this guy get by me. I don't want to, you know, it's mm-hmm. that fear of, that, that of the big moment. Mm-hmm. But when you're the lightning and you have Andre Vasilevsky behind you, Right. It allows you Play relax. to relax a little more because if you do make a mistake, he's probably got it. He's got your back. And they know that. And they've, they've, mm-hmm. seen, they've witnessed it for years and, and has helped them win two cups. Every other team on the uh, in hockey pretty much at this point doesn't have that same confidence level in their goalie. Some more that's than others. True. But that's a huge advantage for the Lightning. And, and you know, and so – you know, if if Mikhail Sergachev makes a risky play or, or Nikita Kucherov or Stamka or whoever it is, the guy behind him's probably going to get it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean these are world class athletes and they do get stuff by him, but more often than not, he's going to make those tough saves, those rush saves, those bailout saves. He's going right. to do it more than most goalies in the NHL or any, quite frankly. Yeah. And so it allows you to play with a, a more confidence and, and not that fear of, uh-oh, I'm going to make the mistake that could cost us the game. And you just go out and play. That's what having a good goalie can do. Or, you know, if you have a really good defense in football, yeah. you know, you can, you can be a little more patient on offense and not have to, to start panicking and worrying and, th- you know. You you can also survive a turnover or two, as Trent Dofer remembers. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, I mean, I watched the Buccaneers' defense was so great that uh, you didn't get too upset if if they gave the team the ball inside their Mm forty. You know, and I mean, I mean the Bucks' forty, and they would hold them to three. You know, Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is a great luxury. I also think at times it can be a you can get into bad habits. And I think we see that particularly in the regular season more than the postseason. Yeah, more than now. Yeah. But, yeah, I think sometimes they take too many chances yeah, because the guy behind them is so good. He's so great, right. You know, I think you see Cooch dangle it, particularly more in the, in the regular season, and we've seen some really bad turns. Sergachev's had a stretch where he had some really bad ones this season, comes to mind. Right. You know, where it's, you can almost get too confident in it. Uh, yeah, they've, they've cleaned that up. I, I think they've done a much better job. In this, in these playoffs, anyway, to clean that up a bit, mm-hmm. and um, but quite frankly, I mean the, these the hockey playoffs this year, uh, you know, um, Colorado's up three nothing. They're going to play tonight as as, as, as we're doing we're recording this year. it. Uh, Pittsburgh's up three to one, mm-hmm. but the four series that are playing the same day as the Lightning are all two two. Mm-hmm. The Panthers just won in overtime to beat the Capitals. That series is two two. That was huge. I yeah. mean, these series are are this year. It's so much parity in these playoffs so far. Yeah, I mean, maybe the Colorado series becomes a sweep, and by the time you hear this, you may you'll know whether it was a sweep or not. But you know, they're not. There's not a lot of four zero series this first round. It, this this is good teams and and punch counter punch and and as we said going into the playoffs, the difference between the regular season and the playoffs is okay. You go into a game in the regular season. All right, uh, this goalie shoot high, um, and on power play, we got to watch this and this, and that's you go out and play. Well, every 
every shift, every play is broken down, and then you make adjustments for two days before the next game, and you're watching a lot more video on specific things, and you're making adjustments, and then that game gets played. Now you got to make more adjustments to that, and you know yeah. those are adjustments not made in the regular season. So the playoff hockey is very different because it's seven games against the same team. And and everyone's on the same rest, and everyone's mm-hmm. the same travel, and you know whether you're home or away. But you know you're not coming off a back to back, or we're playing the fifth game in eight days. Well, you just had four days off. You know it, it's a consistent thing, and and it's exciting to watch. And this you know the Tampa Bay Toronto series has been you know it started off we thought it was going to be more physical than it is, and mm-hmm. we've seen the Maple Leafs make adjustments. Clifford's no longer in the lineup. So Simmons is no longer in the lineup. Yeah, now they're it's a taking pure skating hurtful penalties. Yeah. yeah, hurtful penalties by them. Mm-hmm. And I think too, you know, um, you mentioned, you know, sort of the strategy involved and whatnot. But but I think when you're on the ice with somebody that often every other game mm-hmm. for a seven game series, I think Cooper and those guys do a great job of saying, okay. I mean, we talked about how Austin Matthews has kind of disappeared. That's a hard thing to do to a sixty goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, they get a feel for who's a bad matchup for him, right? And if you get the last line change, of course it changes whether you're home and away. But they've done a really good job of neutralizing some people and getting a feel for, you know, okay, you know, which line to start with, who you put on their top line, all that stuff. And again, I think this was the case the last two years, but certainly last year, that fourth line for the Lightning is a handful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's tough to match up with those guys when you go that deep. So, yeah, I think I think that's when Cooper and those guys do their best work is sort of like, okay, you know, we can do this. We can make this line change. We can do that line change. Like, they have they have kind of gotten the matchups uh, to go a little bit more in their favor, mm-hmm. and they're playing more structured. They're not they're not making the bad turnovers early in mm-hmm. games and leaving Vassy out hanging to dry with odd man rushes all day. I really like the Colton-Hagel-Paul line. Yes, yes. You know, and you're starting to f- see some chemistry there and some consistency coming from that line. Yes. You know, as they when they traded for Hagel and Paul, it was, you know, where do we put them in the lineup? And they've tried both those guys up and down the lineup and trying to figure out where the chemistry fits and how the lines fit together. I mean, yeah. we know that the Sorelli Kalorn point line has been an absolute beast as a shutdown line. Mm-hmm. And that Toronto has not figured that line up out how to score on it. Right. But having that second line of Colton, Paul, Hagel that can put a lot of pressure and forechecking pressure on you and make it tough on you offensively. That's where you're – look, they're not the Gord, Gaudreau, Coleman line. They're very different. Right. Um, to be honest, I, you know, I, I think if you look at it, Colton and, and Paul are better sh- – or, uh, or, uh, Colton and uh, – they're better shooters. As, as a group, they're a better shooter line than the, the Gaudreau line, or the Coleman, Gord, Gaudreau yeah. line. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, I think – defensively that line from last year was a little better but you know there's it's, they're not the same line but it's that having that secondary line that can really put pressure and forecheck and be kind of a shutdown line to have two of those in your lineup is huge in the playoffs yeah, they've got particularly on the yeah. road you can't match up you're not going to be able to put Sorelli's right. line out against Marner every time because they right. get the last change in Toronto at home mm-hmm. it's a lot easier because you have the last change right yeah, and, and I think uh, I think they've provided a lot more offense than they expected. You know, I mean, actually, um, Paul for sure, or at least Paul for at least sure. In, I mean, in they, our eyes, I mean, maybe the Lightning knew he was capable of this, but right. But that's that's sort of not. I mean, I think they they were expecting it, um, but not from him necessarily. But uh, 
yeah, they they've just done a good job all the way around, but also offensively. And Paul, I watched. You know, I was sat on the glass one time um, this year um, after they made the trade, really right before the postseason. I can't remember who they were playing. I was with my daughter, but um, if Paul's a sizable dude, mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy, and he and he's got skills and the vision. We've seen him make what two of the best highlight plays of the year. You know, both in the goal and and a, a no look pass um, between the legs, whatever. You know, he he's got some he's got some skills to him that you know, in addition to his size and and just his versatility, whether it's the PK faceoffs, you name it. But like the guy, the guy has been a big addition, and and they've kind of assimilated well. And you know, I I think the experience. I think when you get deep in these playoffs like this. Um, it's all about who can relax and just play the right way. And having Vassie back there, um, you know, knowing how to close out series. And I think I really do believe this. If they get out of the first round, I think I think some of the pressure comes off you. You know, the, the, the team obviously get better and the competition gets better. And you've got to win 16 games and you've got to beat the best no matter what. But I do think that there is, you know, early in the playoffs, I think there can be some some nervous times. And it seems to me, just watching the way they played last, and of course, you know, they've it's every other game with them, but the, the last game they played, boy, sure looked like the lightning to me. You know, they really looked like they were dialed in and kind of, okay, we got this figured out. Let's see if they can do it in Toronto. That building's going to be alive. It's going to be a, a, a tremendous atmosphere. Um, there'll be some nervous folks, too, mm-hmm. because Toronto's had a history of not getting out of the first round. Really good team, exceptional team. And whoever scores first has won every game in the series. Every game, yeah. You know, that first goal is could be huge. And I bet that's the case. I don't know how, what the stats are, Steve, but what in the postseason, what is the first goal winning percentage? It's got to be really high. It, it, I mean, I know at one point in this postseason it was 16-3, and three, but there's been mm-hmm. several. I mean, I, don't, I haven't kept track since then. But, but. that's remarkable, 16-3. and mm-hmm. three. I mean, that's mm-hmm. you know that shows you how tough it is to, to not gain that momentum. And, so. and and this is in a year when we had Gary Bettman on uh, for game three on Lightning Radio. Mm-hmm. And he talked about 42% of the games this year uh, had the, the team that won came back from a deficit. Is that right? Wow. Yep. In a quarter of those games, so 10% of the games in the league this year, teams that won overcame multiple goal deficits. Hmm. That was in the regular season, which is numbers they're seeing that they haven't seen in a, in a generation. Um, the scoring is up, and it's up. the chances yeah. to win are up, and you know mm-hmm. the, the ability to come back from you know it used to be a two goal deficit, and you, that was a you know locking hardest down. one in sports, right? Yeah. To protect, but yeah. in hockey these days, two goals is nothing, and, yeah. and teams come back from that all the time. So, but yeah, yeah the, in this in this playoffs and in, in this series particularly, the first goal has been very important. It's changed momentum. It's changed everything. Yeah, well, it's a critical game five in Toronto tonight, and we'll see if the Lightning can get that and try to close it out right here at Emily Arena. Uh, Victor Hedman, a Norris Trophy finalist or best defenseman for the sixth straight season. Six in a row, wow. He's won it once, and he finished third the other four years. (laughs) And you're... Your prediction, da 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 da. He'll finish he third win. again this year. He'll finish third. Roman Yossi at, at Nashville will win it, and Kale McCarr from Colorado will take second. Hedman will finish third. Yeah, yeah. Well, Yossi led defenseman in points. McCarr led him in goals. I'll tell you, he's been big in this postseason, though, hadn't he? Mm-hmm. Hedman. Well, I mean, he won the Conn Smythe two years ago. Right, right, and, and that's what he does. 
You know, he's am- he's amazing. Like when 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 there's a challenge in front of him, how he stepped. I mean, remember the game earlier this year, and I think it was in Los Angeles. They had four defensemen. Mm-hmm. He logged a ton, of and he was right? like, "I'm I'm winning this game. This is a challenge. Yeah. This is fun." Yeah, and he logged right. a ton of minutes, and he led them, and they won. And and it was, and yeah. after the game, it was this was a challenge. This was fun. This was something different. And, you know, it was almost it, it it interrupted the boredom of the regular season, right? Of hey, right. whoa, what, we got four defensemen. All right, let me go. Let's go. I mean, you know, <laughs> see he, how many minutes you could play. But he likes to yeah. rise to those challenges, and in in the play playoffs, he plays some of his best hockey. Period. He really does. He really does. And and you know, just the ability. His ability to back check and, and, and you know it looks like he's beat and length he has with that stick and how he's able to disrupt things and and uh, and still remain an offensive threat you know um, pinching up and all the thing all the things that he does they've got and that's the thing about the Lightning is you, you know you've got one of the best defensemen in the NHL you certainly have one of the best goalies in the NFL you've got one of the best skilled players in Kucherov and then all the guys that Breesman and, and uh, before that Eisenman have brought in to build around them. I think it's just remarkable, the hockey team they've built that's sustainable at this level to win back-to-back Stanley Cups and be right back in the conversation again when um, as much hockey as they've played. So enjoy it because, you know, game fives are pretty critical and it's going to be fun to watch, uh, you know, to watch what happens in Toronto tonight. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Rays, they're in Anaheim as we do this podcast. They're playing the Angels. The first-place Angels, Joe Ma, got himself a first-place team out there in the American League West. I mean, it's a pitching, finally. I mean, besides yeah. Shohei Otani, which they've had, of course. but Right. Well, Noah Syndergaard was going, mm-hmm. you know, on uh, Monday night. So, pretty good player, pretty good pitcher. Uh, a they, little bit, they, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. They got, um, you know, I just think it's weird that you – Arguably, it's absolutely true. I think the best two baseball players in the world play for the same organization. How about that? How about if your debate is, who's our best player on the team? No, who's the best player in the game? It's between one of these two with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. And I give it the edge to Otani right now because he does so much, not just at the plate, but now on the mound. Um, just, I don't know when we're going to see the the you know his ilk again, but... Um, he's just been terrific, and you know, good for Joe Madden to to have a team back in contention out there. Uh, and they did; they needed pitching, and they went out and they got it. And um, you know, they got Rendon at third. I mean, they got they're a really tough team. So if the light or the Lightning, the Rays have had a great road trip. If they can if they can win this series in Anaheim, it'll be an exceptional road trip. Uh, and then they come home and they play Toronto, Steve. I'm already looking forward to that series. I'm going to do that game on Sunday. I'm going to write that game on Sunday. There you go. Against the Blue Jays. Yeah, because I feel like it. Uh, and that'll be right after the Bucks minicamp. But, yeah, it's uh, – and you kind of wonder, like, you know, after a long West Coast road trip, the longest of the season, you wonder, like, okay, you guys going to have any juice when you get back home to play the Toronto Blue Jays, everybody's, you know, favorite to win the American League East. Even though the Yankees are off to a great start, so is Toronto. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a fun three-game series. Yeah, but the Red Sox – Oof. They're not off to a good start. What has happened there? I mean, I guess we saw it coming. I don't. I don't yeah. know. When you're two games behind Baltimore, yeah, that's not good. And you're what twenty nine games in the season. Isn't that a former uh, raise that uh, a person a front office guy that's the GM now? Up yeah, there? Hein Bloom still Hein up there. Bloom. Yeah, yeah, still trying to get things going. Yeah, they have not gotten off to a good start. Yeah, he's going to take some shrapnel for sure, but. Um, 
I don't think it, it it bugs too many people down here that the that the Red Sox are struggling, especially after what happened a year ago and all of that. But you know, the Rays have righted the ship. Their pitching is has been exceptional. Where you know this game against Anaheim, game one, Jeffrey Springs starting the game, he's been terrific in any role they've put him in, um, and that's been the key. I think that's what's carried them to this point. I still don't think that their you know offense is really you know, hit any kind of gear or Rosarena is still struggling at times. Obviously Franco's been exceptional. You've had Choi in and out of the lineup with injuries. So they're still scuffling along trying to score enough runs and, and of course they had a big comeback the other night. Manuel Margot to that end, player of the week. Yes, well deserved. American League. Yeah. He's been uh he batted like five hundred, I think. Yeah, something like that for the week. But for you know, outside of Wander Franco, he's probably been the most consistent player this year for the Rays offensively. Now, let me ask you, um, you know, because they got rid of Austin Meadows, and I know that they uh, were hoping that uh, what Josh Josh Lowe would be mm-hmm. uh, the guy that they sent back down to the AAA, but that, yep. that was to make room for him. As much as anything, though, Margot has been sort of the benefactor of that, hasn't he? Well, he's gotten more because playing time, and he's taking he's, advantage of it. Right. He's, he's playing um, every day now, and that was not the case when Meadows was here. Mm-hmm. Meadows would DH sometimes. They also have to put him in the outfield at times. But when you've got the outfitters they have now, you know, with Kermeyer and Rosarena and um, Margot, and then, you know, you bring in Phillips once in a while, um, it's a nice it's a nice group, and, and Margot is playing every day, and you see the benefits of that. I mean, he is – the other day I looked, and Meadows was off to a pretty good start with Detroit, and I think he had 11 RBIs, and this is some a couple of days ago, and uh, maybe before the Grand Slams, and Margot had like 12, you know, so, you know – I know they have a lot of good things they think is coming with, with Josh Lowe, and just because he's not in the majors doesn't mean that they don't feel like they, they've made the right decision. But it's really given Margot a chance to play and play every day, and, and he is he has taken advantage of that. And, and now I believe he is their RBI leader, or was uh, recently. And I haven't checked yeah, the stats He's today, leading in batting average. Um, is he? Yeah. yeah the lineup is kind of funny, the, the lineup that's playing on Monday night. Yeah, you got Franco at three thirteen, Diaz two ninety four, Choi three thirteen, Margot three thirty three. Mm-hmm. Then you get the rest of it: Lau two hundred two, Araz Arena two thirty two, Kiermaier one eighty eight, Phillips one fifty four, Zanino mm. one thirty six. Ouch, man! It's like the the top and then the bottom. I mean, there's like no middle. <laughs> yeah, you'd like to go five, six, maybe seven hitters before you start to see that separation yeah. like that. But yeah, some guys are off to slow starts. You know, and there's no way around it. Yeah, you'd Rosarena. like to see a Rosarina start to heat up a little bit. Yeah, he's got to be the guy, right? I mean, and Lau too. I mean, batting Mendoza two o two, two o two, and he's leading off. And I don't, I don't know that I like him there. I, I don't. I'm sure there's a reason, but I, and the analytics probably tell you so. But I, I don't. I want to see my leadoff batter see a lot of pitches. I want to see him get on more. Um, you know, obviously, so G Man Choi, G Man Choi, you want to lead off. Well, maybe. <laughs> I just described G-Man Choi. Sees a lot of pitches, has a good batting average. Doesn't run that well. No. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, Brandon has struggled mightily at times, although he did have two home runs in one game the other day, so maybe he's starting to come around a little bit. But he can't carry you that way. But, yeah, the Rays will try to finish out this road trip. They've been a terrific one so far. So uh, congratulations to them. We will be, or I will be, at uh, the Bucks. Training facility this morning, 10.30 a.m., chance to talk to the Bucks' offensive assistant coaches. We did the defensive 
assistant coaches and special teams last week. This time we get to talk to the offensive side, Byron Lepwich, obviously Clyde Christensen, the quarterback's coach. Um, you go right down the line, but uh, have a chance to talk to them uh, about not just the returning veterans and free agents and things like this, but also uh, the rookies because the rookie camp starts this week. Before that, on Thursday, is the big reveal of the NFL schedule. So we get to see win, all 17. Win, win, win. 17 and 0, man. Yep, got them all. So uh, we'll you get see to see that. See, there's a Monday night football doubleheader in week two. Week two, yeah. Well, I think because uh, there is no week. Is there a week one? So so to speak, like, in other words, you start the season on a Thursday night, right? Yeah, well, normally, but on that Monday, there was always the doubleheader. Right. And but, it was that, that's still considered week one at that point, right? Yes, that's week Usually. one. Usually. Yeah. All right, so will there, there will be then – Will there? Well, I guess my question is, will there be a week one single Monday night game? I, I'm not 100% certain. I'm not either. I'm not either. Remember, the streaming services are picking up some games this year. you got a lot mm-hmm. of things going on, a lot of moving parts. But, yeah, it was a big reveal with uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on Good Morning America, uh, and they announced the, the first two games on Monday Night Football in week two. Uh, and then I think you know you during the week you might have you might have some intermittent leaks from or announcements I should say from the various networks about Thursday night football Sunday night football maybe they'll give us an idea of what their first games are that mm-hmm. week one um, so I don't I don't think it'll be a total surprise with all these things we know about the international games and where the Bucks are going to Germany um, in November but uh, yeah that one's coming out on Thursday night around eight o'clock NFL Network and then we can. As you said, we can go through the schedule and tell you exactly what the record is going to be for the Bucks. So that's something also to look forward yeah. to. And then and, and that'll be Game Six of the play. Lightning Maple Leaf series that night too. So you got to have two right. TVs at the same time to watch it. Well, it's a good thing I got three then. There you go. Right, and I can see them all from my kitchen. Actually, I can't see them. I can see <laughs> one from my kitchen, but I'm upstairs. I can see all three from the couch. So that's a good thing. So yeah, um, lots to look forward to. So. Uh, we will check back with you tomorrow. We're going to have our mailbag at some point this week. You can send us questions at uh, SportsDayTB at NFL Stroud. My email address, rstroud at tampabay.com. Matt Baker, our college football writer, he's got some thoughts on name, image, and likeness that you don't want to miss. Is it taking uh, college football and making a total mockery out of it? There are no rules. What are the rules? Um, you know, is, is this sort of... Uh, um, something that is not going the way that maybe many uh, anticipated that it would with all the transfer portal and um, guys going for more money. What's it going to do? Are we going to have parity? So Matt's got a lot of thoughts, and we're always happy to get those from him. So we'll talk to him this week as well. Thanks for listening. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 